Let's turn our Bibles to the shortest book in the New Testament. We've recently been going through Revelation, and it's right before Revelation. Uh, you have Jude before Revelation and Third John. So t- this morning, let's turn to look at um, the Apostle John's third letter. Well, this is the um, same John who wrote Revelation, the Gospel of John, uh, the first two epistles with his name. And he's writing to a friend named Gaius. We don't know much else about him. There are several uh, men in the New Testament by that name. We don't know that um, they're different men or the same men. That's, that's not going to concern us today. But uh, we're not going to look at the whole letter today. We're going to look at the first eight verses. And um, we'll read this as we go along. If you're new today, I've, I've just mentioned we've been recently going through Revelation, and we have uh, paused that for the last few weeks because we're preparing for a mission conference, our annual mission conference. Pastor John has already mentioned several things about that today in the announcements. And uh, Pastor D and Pastor John have already shown us several things about missions and our conference coming up in recent weeks. And so today, uh, we're looking at, at uh, our role, uh, a role that we can play together. And as we do this, today I want to look at the idea that God's family loves to work together for the family name. So we're looking at the idea that we are God's family and that uh, in that blessing, there's a love that's cultivated to work together, to work together as God's family, and we're doing it together because we love to do that for the family name. So again, let's uh, pray, and we'll read this as we go along. Um, So let's go before the Lord again. Father, we thank you for this beautiful Lord's Day. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together, Lord, to worship you. Thank you for the blessing, Lord, of um, praising you through your word today, Lord, through singing, Lord, through the encouragement that comes from the baptism of Gus. And Lord, now as we come to your word, we pray now that you would uh, help us to understand, that you give us ears to hear. We thank you, Lord, for your word and for your spirit who gives it to us. And Lord, we need him. Lord, we come today before you and your words, uh, glad to worship. But Lord, at the same time, you also know that uh, there are things, concerns, struggles uh, within us. And many of these only you know of. And so, Lord, uh, we commit those to you. And we think of the prayer of your son, Lord, that you would sanctify us by your truth. So, Lord, as we come to worship you uh, through your word, we're glad that you're committed to sanctifying us by this word. So, Lord, meet us, we pray. Lord, I pray your spirit would also help me, my weakness, to be able to explain your word. I pray, Lord, that uh, through our our consideration of, of this passage, that your spirit would exalt Christ, that he would remind us of the great blessing it is to be your family and that your spirit would cultivate uh, anew in us, Lord, a love for you, for each other, and and for the the calling you've given to us, your family. Lord, as we think about the gospel going forth um, to the nations, we pray as it goes forth today, Lord. There may be those that, that don't know you today, and Lord, it's our great prayer for them that they would uh, see what we've just sung about, a word of hope, a word of life that would uh, bring them to Christ 
and the great salvation he offers sinners such as us. So, Lord, uh, we commit this time to you and ask you to bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we think about the idea of God's family loving to work together for the family name, let's first take a step back and just uh, remind ourselves of the fact that God unites strangers into his family to love each other. God first unites complete strangers into this family to love each other. So let's uh, begin by looking at verse, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to just read the first part of verse 6, and then we'll come back to the second part in just a moment. This is God's Word. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. First, God unites strangers into his family to love each other. If you travel through Little Rock, Arkansas anytime soon, and you're there on a Saturday, if you go to the local Waffle House, the chances are that you will see at a particular table in that restaurant a young man who's eight years old, his name is Kazen Hunter. He's there almost every Saturday, either with his grandfather or his parents and siblings. And so he goes to the Waffle House to, to be with his family, but he also asks for a specific booth that's waited on by his favorite waiter, a young man he met about a year ago named Devonte Gardner. Now, over this past year, as Devonte and uh, Kazen got to know each other, know about each other's families, uh, Kazen learned that Devonte and his wife have two young children. And also learned that they had been living in a terrible apartment situation that was infested with rats, had no heat, uh, had a considerable amount of mold that was causing their two young daughters to be perennially sick. And so as a result of that black mold, not only were the, uh, the, the daughters perennially sick, but it also impacted much, many of their possessions. And so, uh, out of a concern for his family's health, Devante uh, moved his family up to a motel further away from the Waffle House. And in doing that, has now put most of his salary in paying for that motel and has had to suspend plans to buy a vehicle. And so he generally is walking to work every day. Well, when Kazen find this, found out about the situation uh, facing his friend and his family, he was deeply grieved and began a GoFundMe account online to help his friend. His goal initially was $5,000 and wanted to see his, his friend and his family find a clean living situation and eventually uh, be in a position where he could afford to buy a reliable used car. But as word spread about the situation, uh, in just a matter of days... This GoFundMe account that was posted last month with a goal of $5,000, as of this morning, is now over $90,000. 
this eight-year-old boy writes uh, this urgent plea to those that would listen and talks about his friend being a hard worker and explained the situation. And with the uh, greater media exposure, he, um, he and his friend, his parents, have had a chance to talk about the situation on television. Just on Friday, uh, his parents were interviewed on the Today Show. And the reporter was you know, commending them about you know, their eight-year-old son taking this, this great initiative. Because it's not just Little Rock that's giving. This has now received global coverage. Nationwide coverage. And you can read the comments from people all around the world that have contributed and, and commented on the situation. In that interview, uh, the parents volunteered that Kazan's middle name is Love. And so they were then asked, do they, they think he's living up to his name? And they replied emphatically, at the same time, yes, we do. So here, our parents concerned that people know this is who our young man is. This is his name. This is what he's about. He loves others, and he's wanting to mobilize others for this common cause, this national, global cause. Now, there's no indication that I can find that either family or, or believers... But as you read the comments of those that contribute, uh, you can tell that people are, are taken by this. People have brought in, you know, God bless you. They've mentioned Jesus as example in some of their comments. And whether or not they're believers or not, we can recognize that someone made in God's image as concerned to impact others, to bring people together, to bring strangers together. For the cause of love. And that, that's a moving story, and, and we're encouraged by this young man's initiative and his concern. But I want to remind us today that we too are called to a situation where strangers have been brought together to love each other for a far greater cause. Certainly, we want those two families to hear about this wonderful family that God is uniting. Uh, throughout the world, throughout the ages of strangers. And this is what we see in our passage today, that, that God is uniting strangers to love each other. Notice that he refers to Gaius um, as his child, as his children. He says in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children or walking in the truth. He's talking about Gaius particularly. Now, most likely what's going on here in their relationship is not unlike what we see Paul write to the Corinthians. Paul was never married. To our knowledge, had no children. And he writes to the Corinthians and refers to them as my beloved children. And he reminds them, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And that's most likely what's happened here, this uh, man, Gaius, is an acquaintance of John. John led him to Christ and brought him in to the family of God. And he has heard from this group he refers to as the brothers. As we read between the lines, it's, it's generally understood that these are missionaries. These aren't just church planners or itinerant preachers. These are missionaries that have recently come through Gaius's area. We're not sure exactly where he's at. 
generally thought that, that John is in Ephesus. And so it sounds like they've come through Gaius' area, and then they've made their way back to see John and his congregation. And as we'll see, they're going to make their way back through Gaius' region. And so on their way to see John, the brothers informed uh, the apostle of this wonderful reception that they received from a member of uh, God's family. And so when John hears this, he says, I have no greater joy to know that someone who belongs to Christ is walking in his truth. Think about what we read over in, in John's gospel. I alluded to it in my prayer, how Jesus, in that great prayer for all believers, he says, Father, sanctify them by the truth. That, that same night, you remember, Jesus tells the apostles, I am the truth. So when John talks about his children walking in the truth, most likely he means they're living out God's word with a Christ-centered view of all of life. They've received God's word. They've come to understand that it, that it points us to our need for Jesus. And they're living that out and loving each other. And he says, referring to the missionaries that have come through to see Gaius and that, that church, he said, these, in verse 6, excuse me, verse 5, these brothers were strangers to you. And yet, you love them and you receive them well. We might take this for granted, but as you go on to read this letter, we, we read about someone else in the church. We don't have time to look at him today but a man who's unconcerned about those, those things. He actually seems like he's unconcerned about God. He's concerned about self. He actually wants nothing to do with welcoming strange missionaries or missionaries that are strangers to them. Um, and that, that's a temptation for us. We can just assume that, yes, we, we belong to God's family. We're called to love each other. But uh, we have the vestiges of the old, old man in us. So we think about today and, and moving towards the mission conference and, and loving our brothers and sisters and, and word and truth, sending them out well, we might be tempted to resort to the mindset that John speaks of later, that idea to, to not be concerned about our brothers and sisters and to focus only on ourselves. But for now, John is wanting to celebrate God's work in Gaius and receiving these, these strangers as if they were his own family. I've mentioned on Sunday night that about a year and a half ago, my um, paternal aunt passed away unexpectedly in South Carolina, and I was, I was honored and blessed to take part in her funeral. And uh, after the service, uh, I had a picture taken with several of my cousins and posted that on Facebook and, and tagged them. And that later that night, I got an invitation to join a group, a uh, Facebook group, and, and the name of the group had my paternal grandmother's maiden name in that group. And I, immediately when I saw the invitation with her name, um, I, I was excited to, to learn about family members that I had never really known about and certainly had never met. They were strangers to me, and yet someone had seen that post and invited me to, to come and belong to this group. And over the course of the past year and a half, I've 
connected with many of those family members um, through Facebook and through messages. And last fall, I, I learned that uh, a member of that, fam- of that extended family passed away. And uh, most of that family lived around the Anderson, South Carolina area. And so I, I wasn't going to be able to go to the funeral, but I wanted to go and, and at least see them and just show my, my love and concern. So what better way to do that than to take them barbecue from Georgia uh, and to visit with them. And most encouraging about that visit was to, to hear about their, their real, genuine faith in Jesus Christ. And, and the man that had passed away, I uh, had heard about uh, his, his being rescued uh, by the Lord from a life of alcoholism uh, and to a devoted follower of Jesus Christ for decades. And so that, that's been a, a tremendous source of joy to me. Even though I had connected with them through Facebook, when I, when I showed up at the house, they were still strangers to me in one sense. But all that disappeared because not just the biological bond we share, but we have a deeper bond in which God has brought strangers together from families throughout the earth uh, to love each other. And so they're concerned about me, that I'm a believer, and, and they're praying for me today. And that, that's a great encouragement to me. And so this is what God is doing. He is calling strangers together into his family. Now, if you'll take your worship guide and you just look at the back of it with me. You should recognize most of the names at the top. Uh, the staff, and as you work your way down, you'll see our elders, our deacons, our women's um, leadership team. And hopefully, you're, if you don't know all of those people, you'll eventually uh, get to meet them. Everyone on this list is vital uh, to our church family. And as you read down that list, it's going to be overwhelming if you're new, because although it's categorized by region, there's a lot of names that to many of you are going to be strangers. And this is one of the reasons why we have a mission conference. We want to remind ourselves that these aren't just strangers. These are our brothers and sisters. We may not recognize the name or know the face. We never met them, but these are our brothers and sisters that that God has brought together. And as we'll see at the end of our passage today, John um, sets the bar high for us. He, he's calling us, by extension, to love our brothers and sisters well, those that were once strangers who have gone out to extend God's family. So we encourage you to come to the Mission Conference. One, you get to meet some of your family. And maybe even have some barbecue at the international dinner. But regardless of what's being served, we want you to come and meet them and engage them and develop or cultivate a friendship because you have no idea what a tremendous ministry that is to them. Just as my family, who were once strangers to me, encouraged me by praying for me, when your brothers and sisters meet you for the first time and learn that you're concerned about them, that's a tremendous Encouragement is a tremendous reminder to them that our Father is looking out for them. He's called us together as strangers to love each other. We'll come back to that in a minute in, in more uh, concrete ways and how we can encourage our brothers and sisters. But 
for now, just a reminder that they don't have to remain strangers. We're in the same family. We have an opportunity to meet many of them in just a very short time. So we've seen first that God unites strangers into his family to love each other. Second, once he's done that, God's family loves to work together for the family name. Let's uh, pick up back in verse 6, and we'll uh, look at the second part of the verse. It says, uh, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. This is why we believe that they are eventually going to come back through Gaius' area. They, for some reason, came through, perhaps introduced themselves to Gaius and, and the church there. And they've come back through to see John and, and to give this encouraging report to his church that he's at about this is what the Lord has done for us through our, brothers, through our brother, Gaius. And so it sounds like Gaius is to uh, anticipate they're going to come back through. That's why John says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Just that, that short phrase, a manner uh, worthy of God. So much, as, as Travis would say, to unpack there in that statement. There's so much behind those words that, that John's assuming and that Gaius understands. Think about just what we've read in these eight verses and this emphasis on truth. How God brings these strangers together through the means of his truth. And calls us to his family and then gives us his word of life to live by. We walk by that truth and going forward. We're brought to know who the one true God is and then we go forward walking together in this truth. That implies that there's non-truth out there. And God has been good to enter into our world, our fallen, sinful, hostile world, our broken, miserable world, and he's brought his word of life, his word of hope. Because this truth isn't just truth that we come to recognize our need for Jesus, and we then live in line, as great as that is, but this truth it, it not only shows us where to go, but it shows us how to go. We go in love. Sometimes there's this false dichotomy among Christians that you have some that say, well, I'm not, I don't really care about theology and doctrine. I, I'm just, I want to love God and I want to love people. And then sometimes they would never say it so crassly, but the outworking of it is, is that they love truth, they love knowledge, but it's hard to sometimes see the love for God and love for people. And that, that, that uh, separation, that's a false dichotomy, that, that should not be. The, the Puritans talked about how God's word is light and heat. It's light and then it illumines us because it's truth. But it doesn't just show us truth over against falsehood. It gives us heat. It warms our hearts. We're called to love, 
the Lord our God with our heart and our mind. And as those two entities work together, we love God and we love each other. So as we, we think about what John's implying here about this man are worthy of God, we're reminded we put all this together and we think about how his family is, is living out. God is a loving God. God has shown that love by giving us his truth, his written word, and the embodiment of truth in Jesus Christ. He is the reason why we have come together as a family. And so we've, we've said that this implies that there's non-truth out there, and these missionaries have been burned that that truth needs to be spread. People have, as Paul might say, bought into a lie. They've exchanged truth for a lie. And they're concerned that others come to know this great, loving God who has revealed himself through his truth. And so he says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. As they come back to you, Gaius, let your commissioning of them, let your interaction and sending them out, let it reflect how you view God. Of course, we can never repay God. But as we send brothers and sisters out, we're reminded, this, this is our family. These were once strangers, and God has brought me to know his children, to go claim other children for him. And these missionaries and John and Gaius are gripped with love to do this. This is a, a glad thing for them to do as they're sending them out. And so it sounds like when they came to the first time that probably Gaius gave them a place to stay. He received them. And of course, hospitality is a premium at this point in history in this part of the world. And that's, that should be a calling of the Christian today. It sounds like he just opened his home to them. But now as they come back through, it's going to be beyond lodging because they're not looking to stay with him permanently. They're looking to go out beyond his area. Probably what John implies is what we read Paul write to Titus when he says, Do your best to send Zenos uh, the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. Of course, John knows from experience during Jesus' earthly ministry, we've seen this in the Gospel of Luke, how Jesus sent brothers out two by two with the explicit instruction, don't take stuff with you. They were called to go and to proclaim, but Jesus implies there's others who are called to welcome and provide. Places to stay, uh, places to engage and to have fellowship and that's what's implied here, is they go forward, not just the place to stay, but whatever material need they might be, John, as he's able, is called to participate. And so as he instructs them to, to send them out in a manner that reflects God's worth, his greatness, as the nations need to hear of this great God, he says it a different way, same thing basically a uh, different way. He says they've gone out in verse 7 for the sake of the name. And in light of what we read this morning for our call to worship and responsive reading, 
most likely he's referring to the name of Jesus. Of course, Jesus in, in John 17 talks about uh, the Father's name as well. Probably the emphasis is on the name of Jesus Christ going to those who've never heard that name. And so that's what drives this part of God's family, that they go out so that God's name, the name of his son, is recognized and cherished. And that others come to see, I can find a gracious God, no longer worry about standing before him as my judge, but as my father, and welcomed into a family of people who once were my strangers. That's the motivation, that the name above all names is proclaimed and cherished. And so as they went, they take nothing, he says in verse 7, from the Gentiles. Now, Gaius is a name, it's a Latin name, uh, very common in the Roman Empire. Interestingly enough, it means rejoice, which is what, exactly what John is doing about God's work in Gaius. So Gaius most likely himself is a Gentile. Uh, most likely what he's referring to here is what we saw in Revelation, where uh, John quotes Jesus as talking about you know, those who claim to be Jews who are not Jews. In other words, those who have not embraced the one true God. Uh, they stand outside the covenant. In other words, John is saying they've taken nothing from non-believers. They're looking to family to send them on their way. And to love them. And he says in verse 8, Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. People that have been called by God to belong to his family, that are consumed with others knowing of his son's name, they're trusting God that he's going to provide. And John says, these people, this, this kind of person, these, this is who we want to support. And notice that John doesn't give an amount. He doesn't give a percentage. He's implying, this is between you and the Lord, guys. But I, I do think he's implying, as you have means, and they come and have material needs, keep in mind, they're going to make God's name known. We don't know if Gaius was uh, himself a fellow elder or uh, whether he was someone who uh, preached or taught. Some, there are others in the church uh, involved with leadership. That doesn't matter. What, what's important for us to grasp in verse 8 is that you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a missionary to be part of what God's family loves to do. God calls strangers to belong to his family, to love each other, and they show that love, in verse 8, by loving to work together for the family name. And that's, that should be a great encouragement. We may not be called to go uh, to Poland or to Germany. We may not be called to go and share the gospel on college campuses here or plant churches, but John implies that we all have a part to play in God's family as it relates to his name. There's no second fiddle, if you will, in God's family. There's not a hierarchy here of pastor, missionary, rock star, and then everyone else's audience. We're all in this together. 
to think about missions and uh, our, our great concern, our church and the PCA and sister denominations about the nations knowing. We all, regardless of our denomination, we, we trace this movement today back to a Reformed Baptist brother from England, uh, William Carey. He's widely regarded as the father of modern-day missions. In 1792, he and a mission society in England uh, had met right before he was being uh, commissioned to go to India, to take the gospel to India. And as they talked about um, him going forward, he and the leadership of that society, it was, his going to India was likened to someone being lowered into a mine, that had previously never been explored. Now, we do, we do believe that the, gospel, I mean, uh, the Apostle Thomas had gone there uh, early on, but for centuries there was no gospel witness in India. And so for Carey and his peers, it was like him being lowered into a dark mine on a rope. But he told those uh, brothers, I need you to hold the rope. Meaning, you have a role to play here in England. He relied heavily on them to recruit prayer support. That was invaluable to carry. He looked to them to help with financial support as well. It's been said that Carrie was ultimately going into that mine to bring up jewels for King Jesus' crown. And that's, that's what missions is about. It's about reaching people that were strangers to God, to us, bringing them to his family so that Jesus and his name is recognized as great. William Carey said, I agree to descend into that mine if my brothers would hold the rope. Notice that Carey viewed this as a mission of God's family. Different roles, but like John is telling us here, regardless of where we're at in life, if we're in God's family, we have a part to play. Some are lower in the mind, others uh, hold the rope. And that brings us to our close and uh, returns back to the back side of our bulletin. As we look um, about halfway down, we see CMPC supported missions. Certainly, we, we pray for them. That's a, a critical part of our support for them. But our sole means, really, of, of supporting them financially, of holding that rope for them, is what we call the faith promise. That may be a new concept, and you'll hear more about that. But um, later this month, on the 26th, there will be a card given out, and uh, you're not asked to put your name on it. It's like you and guys. It's between you and the Lord. But we're asking you today, think about our role in this, to begin praying now, Lord, what would you have me do as it relates to your name going forward? I certainly want to urge you to pray. And some may be called to go, but we want you to begin thinking and praying about, Lord, what would you have me to give? We call it the faith promise. It's above and beyond the tithe. And the faith part reminds that, like Gaius, like William Carey, and those who support him, that we're ultimately looking to the Lord, we're trusting him, the one who's been so faithful to us. We're trusting him to provide, to hold the rope 
for our brothers and sisters. And it's a promise that, that we make to the Lord between us. And so we'll turn those cards in. Um, it's a way of making a commitment to the Lord, but it's also to help uh, our mission team, leadership, think about you know, what the Lord is calling us to do in terms of who to support and uh, what amounts to increase, things like that. But it's a serious matter that we, we don't want to take lightly. So today, we wanted to reflect on the fact that we have been called together uh, as strangers into God's family to love each other in a, a real tangible way of doing that for people who may be strangers to us is to work together for the family name. This is the calling that John gives us. We ought to support people like this, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Let's close in prayer. Lord, you've been so kind to us. You have sent people, Lord, into the minds of our life, into darkness. Lord, you have brought your truth and you have rescued us. You have brought us up from the pit. You have given us new life. You've given us eternal life. And Lord, not only that, we can call you Father. We can call Christ our brother. And we can call each other brother and sister because of what he has done for sinners such as us, to rescue us from what we deserve before you. So thank you for that. Lord, we pray that as we think about these things, that, Lord, you'll cultivate in us a renewed love and awe for you and for what you have done for us in Christ. And, Lord, that you would begin to impress upon us, or what would you have us do to hold the ropes, Lord, to... Be fellow workers with our brothers and sisters. Lord, lead us. Lord, uh, increase our, our faith. Lord, that we would trust you. All our resources are yours anyway. Help us, we pray, to be good stewards. And Lord, would you use what we offer to you in the faith promise? Would you use it to bring others into your family for your glory? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.